Courtside Indiana podcast is brought to you by Metro Indy Basketball Fall League. The 14th annual Fall League runs from Sundays, October 11th through November 1st. For more information and to register, visit MetroIndyBasketball.com. Also, Box Out Sports, the best sports graphics platform. Built for speed and control with your organization in mind. Try it now for free at BoxOutSports.com. Welcome to Courtside Indiana Podcast. This is Jim Reamer. We are on episode 34, joined as always by Zach Tyler. Zach, how was your week? Uh, doing well. Back to the classroom this week. Uh, still a handful of kids going virtual. And then we also have parent-teacher conferences on top of that this week. So interesting week back at school. I found out that Carmel, for at least for the kids that I know, they are not doing much... Um, lecturing on their virtual days that their virtual days are used mainly for homework and i don't know if this is every grade or or what i guess i was surprised i guess i was surprised that they're not doing a lot of lecturing it seems that's the one thing where where the um, the zoom camera maybe that's i'm just thinking of what it would be like in college i would have loved to have sat at home instead of driving instead of commuting to class to 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 listen to a lecture but I guess they're not utilizing that at the high school level. Is that just not efficient enough or is it, they just don't think they can capture their attention span. Yeah. It's probably more of the attention span side of it in my opinion. Yeah. Keeping kids engaged. Yeah. I mean, it's a problem. It's a work in progress and I, I think everybody's doing the best they can. And that's the weekly uh, COVID update, <laughs> COVID update for our, <laughs> for our website. Um, all right, let's get to the offers. Let's get to the updates on offers and commitments. We got one commitment with four offers, and take it away, Zach. Yeah, uh, Bryce Beery from Carmel and a Franklin offer. Isaiah Davis, Greenwood Christian with a Dravecca Nazarene offer. Jalen Hooks, Xavier offer. Caden Bontrager from up here by me at Lakewood Park Christian, a Madonna offer. The commitment this week was from Clayton McLoggan from Valpo. He's going to Goshen College. Yeah, it's kind of a light week. Um, this has probably been the lightest week since we started doing this part. I would think so, yeah. Um, obviously, Hook's getting a Xavier offer is a big deal. Uh, that's, that's. Um, I mean, he's going to end up with you know a number of high major offers before it's all said and done, and, and I know some of the in-state schools or and Big Ten schools are starting to take a, a broader look at him. And, and again, it's, it's not like there's for, for my money, there's he's the number one prospect in the class, and that's not taking anything away from from anybody else. But um, I'm not sure where I wrote it this past week, but felt like it was uh, Hooks and, and Draven Gibbs and Ashton Williamson and uh, Jaquilon Roberts out of Bloomington North. Williamson's out of Calumet. I think those four guys are, to me, the the, the can't miss high major guys. Um, where it goes from there, I think, will depend on some development and and some other kids and, and, ba- you know, what, what other schools need or what some of the colleges need. So, um, I mean, we're going to, this part of it's going to be pretty quick. We've already recorded about an hour uh, earlier today on the, uh, on yesterday's action at the, at the Metro Indy fall league. Uh, JD uh, Hall and, and Caleb Lynn are, are joining me on that. They, they did an excellent job with it. We covered a lot of kids. 
I like that they've got a fresh perspective on guys that that I've seen quite a bit, even some of the Northern Indiana guys that are playing down here that you've seen um, a, a good amount. Um, they, they do a really good job of, of just re- reporting what they see. Um, the, um, no, I so was just reading the text you sent. And you, yep. you didn't mean that, that for my me. wife. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to have to stop and re-record. Um, so that was not, that text was not meant for me. All right. Well, I'm glad it just was <laughs> not anything racy. I'm, you know, yeah. Yeah, no I may have read that. Yeah. Anyway, wow. All right. Well, that was the <laughs> delay there. So basically, we got about an hour recorded already. As I yell into my microphone, we've got an hour recorded already. So we're going to be pretty quick. I, we, we couldn't come up with any great topics, right? I mean, other than maybe talk a little bit about Jaden Brewer, his transfer situation. Right. Right. Not too anything? much else we could come up with. I mean, we we obviously have some stuff we're earmarking for closer to the beginning of the season. Uh, so it's not like we're completely devoid of ideas, but uh, this is kind of a lull, and I, the fall league is going to take it take place of that. But I mean, Brewer's situation right right now. If people who maybe I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know what's going on. Especially if you listen to this and you're in Indianapolis area, Jaden Brewer's transfer has been put on hold right now, or at least his eligibility has been put on hold. He is um, going through the appeal process which is the kind of the final step within the state of Indiana, as far as gaining eligibility, it's sort of, you know, raining down opinions on both sides of the equation. People saying, you know, transfer should have to sit no matter what versus transfer should be able to play no matter what. And, you know, then I'm a big rules guy. So not that I'm a stickler for rules, but, but there are rules and the IHSA sort of has to live by them or not. It's, it's not something, it's not as arbitrary. It's definitely not as arbitrary as what people think. Um, especially when you consider they pretty much give you three or four ways to almost guarantee eligibility. Uh, of course, one of them is living, going to the public school in the district where you live. That is pretty much covered in a couple of different ones, like going from private school to a public school should you decide you don't want to go to a private school. It also comes into play when you move, and it also comes into play when you change, have a custody change. The interesting thing that doesn't come into play is Brewers lived in Wayne Township his whole high school career, and I would I would say probably his whole life maybe. Uh, his, brother went to, his brother went to Ben Davis, um, his family's been on that side of town for a, a number of years and they've lived in district. Now he chose to go to Avon as a freshman and the way the IHSAA handles it is they don't care where you enroll. They, they, if you live in Carmel, you can enroll in Lafayette Jeff. If you want, you can enroll in Avon. If those schools will let you attend, you know, if they have open borders, then the IHSA doesn't care. You're eligible. You walk in as a freshman, you're eligible to go. Anything after that is considered a transfer. So Brewer going to Avon as a freshman starts his clock and starts the, uh, the manner in which the IHSA cares where he goes to school. Hopefully I'm not butchering that explanation. But what I guess gets me is, and you can agree, you can let me know what you think about this, Zach. What, what gets me is, if he's lived in Wayne Township pretty much this whole time, 
Oh, yeah, it shouldn't even matter how long he's lived there. He lives in Wayne Township. He should be able to transfer to the public school that serves his residents. That, that's my opinion. Um, it, 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 that's the case on other examples, like I, like I already listed. And even though it's public to public, uh, unless there's blatant information that suggests he's being recruited, any sort of undue influence besides parents wanting him to maybe not have to drive over to Avon anymore. Um, to me, that part of the rule should apply. Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see a reason why if you're living in the township and, and you want to go to school in that township, they, they should block you from that. That doesn't yeah, make from, much sense to me either. From an, from an eligibility standpoint, yeah. You know, a lot of people will say the IHSA can't control where any of these kids go, and that's true. They can't. You can transfer wherever you want as a student. They just control your ability to be eligible. Um, so that argument gets made a lot, and it's, you know, it's the IHSA has never claimed they can stop you from going to a school. They just they determine your eligibility. Is there any is there any part of that scenario that suggests that you shouldn't be? I mean we both pretty much have the same sensibility on this issue, but is there any, I mean, look, here's the thing. If, if he were to move to Brownsburg, okay. He could have transferred to Brownsburg and been eligible. The IHSA doesn't care where you go to school and it doesn't definitely doesn't care where you enroll in school as a freshman. They, they, the tax laws of this state, have no impact on the IHSAs, how they handle enrollment, how they handle transfers. So the tax laws basically make every school in the state of Indiana open borders, according to the state. Your tax dollars follow you wherever you go. And now it's not as easy as that. There's a voucher system in place. But um, but at the same time, like I said, if I live in, if I got a kid that lives in Carmel, he could go to Zionsville if Zionsville were to let him. Now, some schools have closed their borders. Um, they have said, if you don't live in district, we will not take you, even if you're willing to pay tuition, which is the way it used to be. Um, and a lot of that is because some schools, Carmel's one of them, Zionsville, Center Grove, places like that, don't want to wake up in August and have like an extra 300 kids rolling in um, because then they're not going to be equipped to teach those kids. They want to be able to have somewhat of an idea of what their enrollment is going to be like from year to year. At least that's my understanding of it they may have other reasons for it but that's the most basic one so where it gets us back to brewer is that he enrolls to avon in the avon as a freshman and now decides he wants to go to school in the township where he lives and as much as we've kind of beaten that little part to death the ihsa is saying no that that transfer is being contested we think it's for for athletic reasons I mean, for me, there would have to be a lot of proof on the Avon side to suggest that he's moving strictly for athletic reasons. Right. Because Avon, Avon is not releasing him, right? They are not. As, as far as I can tell, they're not releasing him. Um, you know, to me, it's I mean, it's it's a, now that's not the way the rules are written. I get it. The IHSA kind of needs to change that. You know, it takes a lot for them to some, you know, sometimes to change a rule. But if, if they lose this appeal, then they need to rewrite that rule just to make it a very matter of fact, because it's 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 going to happen. 
family situations, family dynamics are going to change. Uh, it could be as simple. I, I know there was something discussed about his mother's job. And, and sometimes it could be as simple as that. You know, maybe mother worked somewhere that made dropping a kid off at school a little bit more convenient, or maybe, maybe something in the home has changed. I, to me, I don't, I really don't care. Um, if I think it's just pretty simple, the, 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 the residence rule applies in any other situation, but that one. So if you have two parents who live in different districts and, and a custody changes hands, that kid can either stay at the school that he's already going to, or he can transfer to the new school or the, or the school where the other parent lives and automatically get eligibility. Right. Um, I went through that with a past relationship where the boy's mother who I was dating moved. Her son came with him. The, his original school originally tried to challenge it. That didn't go well. And four days later, he was, he was eligible at his new school. Then they moved back. And again, he was eligible right away. And in, in both times, it was a, in both times, there was a legitimate, a bona fide, that's the, the word in the ITSA book, a bona fide change of residence. But in each case, he moved, he transferred to the school that served his residence, the public school that served his residence. Right, right. To me, the ITSA is splitting hairs. To me, Avon is petty in how they're handling this. I know ultimately it's the principal's job to sign these releases because it's their building. Uh, they do get input from coaches. They do get input from athletics directors. And sometimes schools do have hard lines. We are going to let a kid be eligible no matter what. We are going to challenge a kid no matter what. I get that. That's the school's choice. But the ITSA then can come in and say, look, he's attending the school where he lives. He should be allowed. He should be allowed to retain his eligibility. Right. Am I oversimplifying that? Other than the fact that it's, I didn't mean to cut you. Other than the fact that it's literally not, that's the one part where it's not covered. Am I oversimplifying that? No, I mean, to me, it seems pretty cut and dry. I mean, he's living in the district he wants to go to school in, so he should be able to go to the district he's living in. Just, yeah, it's, they're caught up on the Avon blocking them thing, I think, right now. Well, yeah, and that's a, and that's a, a a mechanism. It's a formal mechanism, and there's nothing wrong with that. I look, Avon may have a policy that says we're going to challenge every move, no matter what. That way, they oh, don't definitely. have. That way, they can just absolve themselves and act like they're not that they're not applying some sort of you know arbitrary decision making process. Right, um, right. And we just we just know about this situation because of the profile of a player that Brewer is, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I know, you know, there have been, I've been told that Carmel does not sign off on anybody. I don't know if that's across all sports, but I also know that there has been some kids, Zach's, Zach's kids walking into his room. Now that's the great thing about zoom is not only can I hear your, your child, but I can yeah. see your child. Um, <laughs> I mean, Carmel takes some flack for, for challenging some moves. I get that. My understanding is that, that they don't really sign off on anybody, but then I know some kids that have transferred out basketball wise that have been eligible right away. Sure. Um, that haven't moved. 
But I also know a couple cases where they've had this. They've had to play JV. I know at one point I was told Carmel doesn't that Carmel pretty much challenges anything. Sure. And I, and and I know schools, if, it's, if it's all or nothing. Yeah. I mean that. Yeah. That's probably the safest way to do it. Yeah. Especially if you're school and, and schools do what they can understandably to, to reduce as much liability as possible and, and as much involvement in the process as, as possible. So, but you know, Avon clearly is challenging this move and, and right now the ITSA is, is again, there's just no, this is the one area where going to the school where you live is not just an automatic full eligibility ruling. I don't know. It just seems like we're missing something, but yeah, I mean, yeah. again, it's, it's not written, but it just, it seems so logical and it seems like we, that could be a real easy change. Um, even in advance, Hey, we're going to, we're going to, this is how we're going to rule things from now on. So we might as well rewrite the rule. Hopefully the appeal process gets Jaden his eligibility. Yeah, definitely. And, he, and he's able to play this year at Ben Davis, you know, because he's, he's a good ball player and, and he's a good kid. I don't know why he went to Avon. Not important. Don't know why he's transferred to Ben Davis. Really not important. Any other perspective on that? No, I'm, I just, I agree. It, he's living in the district he wants to go to school in. So that should be it. I feel like. Yeah. Any, anything else be, before we wrap this part up? Cause we. Uh, I don't think so. We're just done, huh? This is maybe our shortest one, so. but we, like I said, we probably got another hour on the other side of this. Um, with uh, stuff from the fall league yesterday. So, well, Zach, I, I appreciate your time as always. And uh, next week we will we'll do this again. And then as we get closer to the high school season, we will start doing a lot of the topics that you and I keep dancing around. So, That's all right. right. All right. Sounds all good. All right, bud. Take care. Have a good week. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Joined again by with Caleb Lynn and J.D. Hall. Both these guys are young guys that are working um, or helping cover the Metro Indie Basketball Fall League. And uh, Caleb, uh, Caleb's an Indiana University student, correct? And yeah, does, yeah, Yep, and does some, yeah, the alma mater. And does uh, works for um, Indianapolis Star. And J.D. Hall is a journalism grad. And you guys both do a lot of podcasting and writing together. So uh, you guys working together with, for me, uh, uh, for the, for the league is uh, you guys are doing a great job so far, but um, JD, what were, who were some of the kids you saw in the early session that stood out to you? Earlier on, I think instantly I was, I fell in love with the way that um, young Josh Forbes played a game. Okay. I mean, to be to be an undersized guard the way that he is, I mean, I'm barely taller than him, and that says a lot because I'm I'm short. But <laughs> um, Josh Forrest from from Fishers, uh, the the way he plays the game is so smooth. It's like nothing forced. Very very good facilitator. Um, they played two guards at the time, Hillman, um, Kenny Page, and. The way that he uses his body and speed to dictate the offense, to be in the right place at all times on defense, being undersized, he he was down there amongst the trees getting rebounds and pushing the break. On those breaks, he 
put I mean the way he passes in transition is is as if he's already been there before if if you understand what I mean um yeah. it, it it just seemed like so smooth and then at, at the same time he's so fundamentally sound I mean nothing was forced nothing seemed like he was he never seemed lost everything he did seemed as if he was dictating the the tempo and the pace of the game. Um, I really enjoy watching him play. It, it was it was very impressive seeing how such an undersized guard could control the game in the way that he did, and he's a good shooter. Knocked it down every time he was open. Um, how did another, how did Page play? How did how did Page play in that? Because that's a kid whose Paige, name has come up. Another, I mean, that's somebody that I'm gonna throw out later because we've had a couple of people comment on his play Paige, Paige broke out early on getting to the realm at ease yep. he I say he probably left maybe three or four short because he probably rushed them but I say after that I think he told himself no more because I remember maybe three plays in a row he got right back to the rim layup layup still off of inbound layup I really, I really liked him, man. His length at that size, him man, <laughs> him man. Forbes are are not tall, but well, Hayes' length is ridiculously long. I mean, standing up, he touching his knees. So we, <laughs> so we've got um, Kenny's dad played at Warren Central, and he's very much Kenny's kid. There's no question he. He looks just like his father did at that age. I think his father was probably a little stronger at that age. Um, but Kenny, the dad, I don't know if he's senior, if there's more Kenny pages out there. I can't remember back that far what Kenny's dad's name was. But but Kenny's father, Kenny, was played at Warren Central. And um, he was a lot a lot like his son. And his, his son is kind of unheralded so far but extremely quick and extremely long and um, he gets it honestly because that's exactly uh, the way his father played basketball so it's it's it was it's been fun to watch Kenny I've, I've had a chance to see him play a couple weekends uh, since July and it's 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 neat because he looks just like his father and it's like I'm having flashbacks so go go on <laughs> I just wanted to I wanted to interject with that because I know some of these old, some of these guys in the gym listen to the podcast, and they all know who Kenny is. So, yeah, I mean, he he impressed me as well. Um, yeah. I just didn't want to put two people from the same team. Oh, um, you're good, man. Like I did last week, but I think that the way that him and Forrest fed off of each other was great. I mean, uh yeah. I, let me just touch on that then. Playing a, a small backcourt like them two, you're going to be able to press. But the way that they press was very different because they was putting one in the front, one in the back end. The one that was in the front was receiving a, a, a pass from the one in the back getting a rebound. And yeah. they both undersized. I really liked uh, – I enjoyed watching them play. Then um, another one would be Jaden Pinkston. Yeah. Uh, from Tenley. Yep. Man, that guy, he he caught my attention instantly 
Jet, I seen one play. Uh, he and Noah Carter in a pick and roll. The way he set the screen was so like just fundamentally sound. He sets the screen so perfect that Noah gets the angle bounce pass going to the rim. Yeah, I said, oh, okay, that that was nice, but it was after that. I think that chemistry became in sync because anybody that's seen Pinkston, they they would know he's an athletic freak mm-hmm. that he could jump out the gym. He he looks as if he's trying up the floor and he he's getting he getting down the floor before anybody most times. Um, his athleticism instantly stands out. And he's and Pinkston shot the ball. Uh, better than I had seen him shoot in the past, and that's that's a part of his game that's improving. And and Noah Carter there, Pinkston's the name there. There's no question he's one of the best sophomores in the state. And and Noah Carter's a, a kid that's that's played three years varsity at Chittard. Very patient mm-hmm. on the pick and roll. Very, which you were he's about. really yeah. good. Very. Yeah. He plays he plays a a veteran's game. We would call it. Yep. Um. Yeah. Um. Uh, I love I love they care. And I remember one play I'm gonna get to in a second, but yeah, um, Pinkston on, on top of him, um, I didn't know that he couldn't shoot. It was everything was at the rim or mm-hmm. a wide open jump shot. I was seeing like very high IQ player, and he was so quick that he was jumping a passing lane. I remember in like a three play sequence, it was so crazy. I seen. On one play, Noah Carter on the fast break throws it off the backboard. Pinkston two hand flushes. I say, oh nah. Oh, in the <laughs> tie game, this was to tie the game up at like 14-14. I said, oh yeah, I, I love this duo here. And as soon afterwards, I see him jump the passing lane, throw it ahead, somebody get a layup. Then somebody came to dunk. And as the kid is rising up and reaches his pink, it's as if Pinkston was still rising. I said, oh, no. How do you block a dunk after the dunker reaches his peak? It, it, was, it was very impressive. I, I really loved it. Um, that guy, his, his motor is insane. Yeah. He don't, he don't get tired. He, he, he definitely somebody that stood out to me. Um, I would have to go with the last person during the uh, earlier games, DJ uh, Beret. Okay, he, from yeah, Berbuff. Very, very good vision and ball handling in transition. His length, he was he, obviously. He was one of the taller players out there, but his length out there was to the point where he had the ball on the string going through guards and the way he was, he was, I wish he was more aggressive. I really wish he was more aggressive just because every time it seemed as if he wanted to score, he could score because he was much longer and it, it, the, the game comes so easy for him. And he uses his length to his advantage on both sides of the floor from intimidating shots, rebounds, getting to the hole. But the best part about it, uh, about him using his length, I think everybody 
else was assuming he would be more aggressive scoring, he was dumping the ball off almost every time he got to the rim, getting like uh layup for his teammates. Very unselfish play. I really, I really enjoy watching him play for sure. He's a, he's a late developer. This is how how I mean by that for sure. One, I didn't realize he he'd gone to Carmel and transferred to Burbank. Mm. So I never knew who he was. So I don't know if he was didn't make the team last year as a sophomore. I mean, it was a good, it's a good group. It's an undefeated group as freshmen with with Suter and Williams or with Suter and Williams playing up as freshmen. Mm-hmm. The remaining group went undefeated. So that that's a pretty good group, at least on paper it is. And and I didn't know anything about him until I saw him late in the summer, or maybe even just maybe a few weeks ago, when he he surfaced at a workout. And he the story was is he was a buff and and but he had transferred over from Carmel. And I'm like they and everybody came over to me wanting to know who he was, and I had no clue. So uh, Burbuff likes him. They you know Coach Howard has made some comments to people um, it just how much they like his development, how he's worked. I guess he he's a gym rat for them. And he definitely is going to bring some, you know, something to the table physically for them because he is long. And what, what you know, some of the stuff you talked about, and I think the rest of his game will come as far as just where he's going to fit in that rebuff system. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll definitely be able to defend and rebound. So, oh, um, for sure. but, yeah, the rest of it will just, you know, they've, Burbuff never hardly rarely lacks guard play. So, you know, really rarely lacks ball handlers. So the, how he's used that, you know, that remains to be seen. So, but Caleb, any of those Same names cross over? Could fit in anyway. Yeah, no. Could yeah. Good. It. Yeah. Caleb, any of those names cross over? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely thought the same thing about, uh, you know, DJ, I, I thought that, you know, yep. with his ability to guard multiple positions and, oh, yeah. In, in my game, it's interesting because in my game, J.D., I, I thought he was very aggressive when I saw him play. Uh, he did not uh, shy away from his shot. You know, I thought for me it was, you know that he's talented, uh, but I think the key for him is if he picks his spots correctly. Uh, if, if, he, if he's able to pick his spots well, I think he, he's got a chance to be really good. Uh, but there's moments – uh, where it feels like he tried to do a little too much, at least in the game that I saw him. Uh, but I, I thought, you know, just to transition into, you know, guys that I had, uh, I had Marion Davis, who was also yeah. on on DJ's team, who, who I think is really solid, has great anticipation on defense, uh, really plays uh, in a rhythm that is his, and he doesn't get phased away by that. Uh, I thought that his talent level was there. He was a great playmaker. Uh, but you knew that he had the capability to do so much more. He was he was definitely somebody in the early games that I liked. I, JD, I believe you mentioned him last week, uh, but I feel like I almost have to mention him. And Trey Jackson. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think mm. Trey, Trey Jackson absolutely stood out for me in, in every way, shape, or form. Uh, he He's on Coach Glenn's team. He's extremely athletic, uh, was there. leaping over guys. Uh, you know, you would sit there and say he has no chance at this offensive rebound, but then all of a sudden <laughs> he just leaps over the gym and gets it. Uh, he just has a tremendous ability to adjust on the fly to his role, uh, which I think is a rare thing mm-hmm. uh, because, you you know, you can sit there, especially with Coach Glenn's team. They have so many options with Dylan Ritter, J.C. Glenn, 
but for Trey, it's like, okay, I can, uh, you know, be the leader of a press. Uh, I can be the person who gets me assists and I can also lead the team in deflections. Uh, there's, there's so much there for Trey that I, I thought was really impressive and showed out big time. And then I also thought Mason Lewis really stepped up. Uh, he has some great strength and ability to, to get to the rim. Uh, fantastic jump stop. Uh, that he was able to use throughout the game that I was able to see him in at one o'clock. And, and I, I think that, you know, for him, it's just all about making sure that he uses his strength and his size to his advantage, especially as a guard. It's He's got a great first step when he gets to his right hand. And, and I, I think, you know, for, for him, it, it's the more games that he's going to be able to play, uh, the more confidence it seems that he will keep getting. Yeah, he's just a freshman, too. Um, trying to get back real quick. Freshman at North Central right now. So that's it's good for him. I know he's statistically just looking at some of the scoring stuff. He's he's done well. I just haven't had a chance to watch that group play yet. But, yeah, Caleb, keep going, though. You're good. Yeah, I mean, between Lewis, uh, Trey Jackson, uh, Marion Davis, those were the, the three that really stuck out. I mean, there's plenty of other guys I can get to, but I know we wanted to try to uh, keep it, keep it around three or keep it around three or four, but, but those well, three yeah. definitely stuff. I mean, if we talk more, we're good because, um, Zach and I are running out of topics to talk to, you know, talk about later at night, at least until we get closer to the season. So if we, we go over a little bit, um, it's fine on my end, but, but, um, I know you both are, you know, have classes to get to as well. So I quickly want to interject some guys that I thought the first session played really well. Two guys we played, You've already touched on a couple of the guys we played, so I'll move on to the two guys that we played that didn't get mentioned, Camden Webster and Raiden Faust. Faust is a 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, uh, forward from Northeastern, probably more more skilled, more of a face-up guy than a, than a back-the-basket guy, and shot well against us, uh, so we can speak, speak to what he did against when we played him. Because um, the other game, it was um, – Jaden Pinkston and, and Billy Brown that did the most damage against us in the second game. Uh, I think Caleb was in the, in the gym when we were playing those guys. And yeah, yeah, that, that was our first win, which was good, but Pinkston played really well backing up what JD had said. And then Billy Brown was there in, in, in lieu of another player, but Billy's average, I think 15, 16, a game for Tinley as a freshman, he was actually their leading scorer as a freshman. So, um, Tenley's got some nice young kids coming up, but um, the other kid, Camden Webster from Kankakee Valley is a freshman. You know, I don't want to tip coach Shepard's hand, but he's highly, highly complimentary of Camden. And, and, you know, I'm going to say I'll probably start for him. I mean, I, I, it's kind of, sometimes the coaches will, you know, you, you kind of figure out who they want to play together on some of those teams. We, we do give coaches some input on that. Um, but Webster was really impressive against us and, and hit the game winning shot. So in, in what was double overtime. So, uh, oh, can't, wow. yeah, can't dislike that. And he had a good, he had a good scoring day, but then hitting that shot too, stepped up at a big time and, and hit it. And then another kid from the earlier session that I saw, um, Edward Thomas from Zionsville long, about six, three, maybe six, two, but long and, and extremely good when he can get by his man, he is, when he can get in a straight line and make one move and then finish, he's, he's in good shape. Um, when he starts dancing with the ball a little bit, 
gets a little loose. Um, but he was good in both games. Statistically kind of backs that up, but but I, the, the stretch I saw, he was good. And then one of our guys that was running the scoreboard sent some notes. He, he was pretty impressed with him as well. And then he was also impressed with how Cooper Bean played from Noblesville. So, so those were some of the guys. Oh, well, I need to mention three, three guys that are with me because we, we play a lot better this week. Uh, Braden Shrewsbury shot the lights out. Uh, oh, yeah. First, first game, he had I, 27. I love that. Yeah, second game, he had 32. His father is an assistant coach at Purdue and, and was formerly an assistant coach uh, at, at Boston with Brad Stevens. And he and Brad mm-hmm. came up together. Uh, Brad went to Zionsville. Micah went to Cathedral. But they were they were together, you know, in terms of AAU program. They were together, I'm pretty sure, Municipal Gardens action when they were younger than that. So Micah and, and both those guys played in the program that I coached in at the time and and – Micah's son's coming up. Micah's son is nothing like Micah. We couldn't get Micah to shoot the ball, save our life. And Braden has no problem shooting it. And he's going at all. And there's nothing wrong with that. And when you let him go, when he's hitting it, you just let him cook, you know? And he was cooking yesterday. So he shot the hell out of it. And then uh, second game, we we were much more balanced uh, with uh, Jesse Ferris, 6'6", junior or sophomore, excuse me, from – Ben Davis and then Preston Roberts, a six four uh, sophomore point guard from uh, Noblesville. So uh, Preston, both those guys got some varsity starts last year as freshmen, as did Shrewsbury. So in places where freshmen don't normally start. So I, I can't remember the last time Woody up at West Lafayette played a freshman a whole lot, let alone started one. So, um, but yeah, Micah was cooking yesterday, and sometimes you just kind of get out of the way. And that's definitely in a fall league. You just get out of the way and let those guys go. And he shot the heck out of it and, and carried us for a stretch. So um, anyway, um, JD, moving on to the night, the, 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 the evening games, what were some of the, um, what, what were some of the kids that stood out to you? Um, well, I mean, almost immediately I loved, the the back and forth between two guys in one game, okay. And the in the game I had Edward Jones from Pike High School, okay, and yeah. Jack Fuda from um, South Bend. Oh, St. Um, Joe's, yeah, okay. Yeah, I really like the these two wasn't guarding each other, but the the way that they was leading their teams in the first half, um. Jones really can shoot the ball. I didn't expect him to be a shooter coming in uh, originally because he plays big. But, I mean, he was knocking down shots, and it really took me off guard because it was off the dribble um, three times. Then I seen him spot up, knock one down. He couldn't stop him nowhere near the paint. He was unstoppable every time. He touched the ball in the paint. And it's as if he found little seems to just make backdoor cuts every time. Um, his defense, great help defender. He either made you change your shot, blocked your shot, or made you pass it out into a turnover. Um, rebounding was, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure nobody on the floor uh, – 
outside of his teammate um, was getting rebounds if he was anywhere near the paint. Yeah. The, he's good. You know, he's um, he came on last year at Pike, and I I didn't know much about him. But, you know, I'd, sometimes these guys, if they're um, when they're freshmen, it's tough. It's tough to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, but with him at Pike, he started as a, you know he started the sophomore year, and and on a group that was pretty young, he he really stood out for them, and especially in stretches, and was making plays. And, and if you're telling me he's shooting the ball well that's a part of his game that's that has been behind the other stuff that he does well. And so that's, it's good that he's starting to get, get his shot going because that's just kind of the last thing for him as, as far as yeah. being kind of a, maybe even hate to drag out the cliche, but kind of a three and D guy, you know, if he can, if he can get to be that, then he's going to be, he's, he's going to see his recruiting uh, change from, from what it is right now. Yeah, I mean, I I did not expect him to be able to shoot the ball, and it's not due to anything I heard. It was just coming out of the gate. He was so dominant inside that I I was like, man, he probably won't take a jump shot at all. And I mean, a couple plays back to back to back, off the dribble, pull up, cash, I say. Okay, now he he got some stuff in his bag, and then on the other hand, Jack Fielder. This I believe was that uh, who played in the overtime game versus you guys. No, um, no, we're uh, we're that early. We're the early group. Um, okay, because I know coming into his game, he had just played an overtime game. And so they, they had to go back to back. So probably what you saw was we had, we had a situation where we had a team couldn't make it this weekend. So we had two teams in that night session that had to go back to back. One of them was, mm-hmm. was uh, coach Turner's team with, with, with um, Eddie Jones that you had referred to and Deontay Davis yeah, and CJ Gunn. So yeah, Hadkovich's team with Fuda had to go back to back as well. So, um, okay. I, that's probably what, I remember, probably what you saw. I remember somebody referring to, uh, they team being tired cause they played the overtime game. And I guess he, he was high in the first game cause he did not miss in the first half of the second game. Yeah. He put up 31 points, 31 points instantly in the first half. I said, man, <laughs> nice. And it it's like every shot he put up, no matter if you jump at him, you leave him open, it was the same result. And I was just waiting. I I, I was literally just waiting for a miss. I, I was so impressed. Like I said, if he's tired doing this, what do he look like when he's not tired? Cause he he looked physically exhausted. But, you know, when you're in that zone, it is as if the rim is as big as an ocean because everything he touched, if it was in the air, it was falling through the net. He shot the lights out. And I, I was I was just enjoying it because he kept the team in it by himself. Well, the that, second that was half. Their, yeah, that was her second game of the, 
of that stretch, and he had 37 the game you saw. So yeah, six, six 31 the was game. the first half. Yep, 30 31 the first half, and the second half, he, he, of course, defensive adjustments was made, but he um. I believe he he tired himself out because he didn't he didn't even come out taking many shots. The ones he did take, he made. But man, that that first half that I seen from him, man, um, Jones going head to head, really enjoyed it. And the last guy would be, um, I, I it's hard to say his last name, but Cooper Galley. Yeah, from, from Mount Vernon. From Mount Vernon. Yeah. I, I really enjoy watching watching him play as well. Um, no fear. No fear at all. I remember last week seeing him to attempt to dunk on somebody. Um and it, it was on a, it was pretty much trying to get an and one because it was an obvious foul there, but nobody expected him to take flight the way that he did. You and, and I were sitting was, by each other when that happened. It was unexpectedly too. And so I really, I really liked what I seen last week, but this week he, everything I suspected last week, he doubled back and did it even more this week. Uh, great IQ player on both sides of the ball. He, um, I remember hearing a coach tell them, Get to the hole, they not stopping you. I say maybe six plays in a row, he got to the hole and shot the same floater. The same floater, switching both hands, finishing around the rim with both hands. And it was all within the floor of the game, nothing forced. It's just every time he caught it, I say maybe three dribbles, he inside the paint, up, floater. Um, so fundamentally sound, um, like, like I said, nothing was forced. Everything was within the flow of the offense. He, I, I would say he was one of the better guys on the defensive end. He's very scrappy. Yeah. He, uh, he and the twins will both be, uh, juniors. Such a team game. At Mount but, Vernon. Yeah, you're, say JD, that again? you got. I was just saying, yeah, him and the twins are both uh, all, all three of those guys that the Gerard twins there that are on the same team mm-hmm. are all three juniors at Mount Vernon. So they've got a they've got a nice backcourt situation for them coming up. And and you were having some audio problem there, so I quickly interjected, and then you came in mid sentence. So finish that last thought you had. Oh yeah, um, I was just saying, him and him and that team really was clicking together. Um, yeah playing very well together he he really he really was one guys that just hearing what the coach was saying and being able to see how he implemented that game plan and it it got to the point where the other coach was like could y'all step up on defense but the thing was his his kids were stepping up he just stepped to the side of them (laughs) <laughs> it, like he he played he played a real smooth game. I really I really enjoy watching him play. Yeah, you saw they had they had two close games last night. So either way, you had a chance to see something good. They're um, 
Yeah, they won both their games last night. So, Caleb, any crossover? Any new names? For me, in those in those evening sessions, uh, there were plenty of people to pick from. But uh, yeah, the yeah. first, the, the, there were plenty. There was so many by design out there. Yeah, yeah by design. And, and I, yeah, and and so for me, there were just a couple. That there were uh, to limit them to three guys. Um, I thought the Khalil Mack of of the league, uh, Jim is uh, DJ Hughes. That dude is built like a defensive <laughs> lineman. He he has he has incredible anticipation. Uh, I think the key for him though is he's a great. It's it's just foul trouble. He can get into that situation, you know, just because of his size, and it's almost um, it, it's tricky, you know, because it felt like there were times where it was like you know, should that have been a foul, but I just think his size and strength uh, make it difficult for refs uh, to decide and determine where, where's a foul and what's not. And I also think with a guy like Hughes, he's just, he, you know, he's got a lot of talent. Uh, it's just all about putting it together for him. Uh, he has an ability to get on the block uh, that I think he should be, you know, at least when I was able to see him, I would love to have seen him do that a little bit more. I uh, felt like he was trying to face up a little too much, but when he can get down on the block and, and use his strength on guys, I think it'll be pretty tough to stop him. Uh, I, I also thought that. And that's one of those things. Let me yeah, interject real quick. That's one of those things that he's yeah. been transitioning away from, you know, and for, and that's where you talk about what translates to the college level. And I mean, he's certainly going to be a factor at Butler where he can, where he can post up certain matchups. But I, I do think more and more, other than duck-ins and, you know, opportunities for him to curl into post-ups, you're going to see his game evolve more and more to the perimeter because his, his shots come a long way. And that's got to be a continued part of his process is improving the consistency of his range. Um, but it's But this is where you get fresh eyes on him. And knowing what he was when he was an eighth grader and a ninth grader and, and what he kind of needed to track on, you know, what he needed to do going forward, just because you don't know how much more, how much bigger he was going to get, you know, I mean, he's, he's been one of the biggest kids in this class from the very beginning and, you know, six, sevens still a very, you know, he's going to be able to be a versatile player at Butler, but he's going to have to transition his game, continue to transition his game more. He knows that. But then he also, it's it's good in these situations, like you said, where he is, he does post up. He's not, a, he doesn't just completely ignore it. So, it, but there is some juggling going on between, you know, where he's effective now, um, where he's extremely effective now versus what he might need to, be doing to to play at the next level and even to play against defenses in the in the mick and on their schedule at Lawrence North that will work very hard to take his post ups away. Yeah, I mean for for Hughes, I, I think that's a really good point. I, you know, he it felt like there were times where he had to like pick and choose what style he wanted to play. Uh, like I think he you know was trying to get to that new habit that you were talking about, and then there were times that he went back to the old habit there were certain matchups where it was like you know okay let's go look you know i'm thinking to myself well let's just go to the old habit you know <laughs> they don't they don't have the size they don't have the strength but um you know the ability to be versatile and the ability to uh, to do that at butler will will obviously be something that he'll keep developing on another player i thought that uh really stepped up uh was rashid elamikin uh from yeah. greenwood i, I kind of yeah. to be honest i 
uh, I don't know if JD or Jim, you, you were able to catch him, but to me, he's got a he little Paul Millsap esque. He, he's got yeah. a little Paul Millsap esque to his game. Very uh, does a little bit of everything. Good, good shooter. Uh, very good playmaker, uh, leader on defense, uh, absolutely is essential to what uh, Coach Thompson's team does. I mean, it didn't feel like he hardly took a break. Uh, he just was constantly on the floor. He, he made every play that you could think of. And uh, I mean, for his frame at 6'3", 190, I mean, he plays so much bigger than that. And, and it, it, makes you, it makes you just think, man, if he was able to get to that uh, 6'6", 6'7", he'd be, he'd be tremendous. Uh, but the 6'3 is, is tricky for him. I'd be curious to see. And he, he played, you know, and I did get to see him play against some guys that kind of tested his size in, in Altman and Hughes. And strength-wise, you know, he, he kept right up with them. Uh, so so I, I thought it was really interesting to see that matchup and see how he played defensively. But I also thought his instincts were phenomenal. Well, and he wasn't going to back down physically from that group either. So, I no. mean, they, they started out fast. Uh, they they were playing. I'm sorry. They started out slowly against uh, Avance's team, which is the team with Hughes and Brewer, and and then Avance's younger brother Shamar. Um, they were down. I think 14 to two, 18 to five, and then later in the game, I I kind of came back into the gym. I had gone back to check on the the back the, the the auxiliary gym. When I came back in, it was it was a 10 point game you know, basically started the second half. And so it was good that Thompson's team uh, finally got some traction and was able to, was able to stay in that game. I want to check real quick and see who won that game. But uh, I know, I mean, I'm saying, I want to see the points for it. I know who won the game, but um, the, um, I mean, that ended up being a low scoring 12 point game. So, you know, it was, they were pretty much jumped from the start and they figured out a way to grind it down and, and kind of tighten it up. I don't think the game got any closer than eight, but I was very impressed with the Lemekin. I don't know if that, I think it's Lemekin is how you pronounce his last name. I could be wrong on that, but he was, um, I, I was impressed with his toughness. I was impressed that he was battling those guys. And yeah. And um, it, it, the second half, especially I thought was, a, was a really good half of basketball. So I, I got yeah. a chance to watch all that half. So, so go ahead, Caleb. I, I just want to interject yeah. real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a it was a great half of basketball. I was able to watch that, and it was it was fun to fun to see those guys compete. And then, lastly, I, the guy that that sticks out, and I, I think you know, for JD, I believe we, the two of us got to talk and and chat about you know his play style is CJ Gunn, uh, who mm. is just about as talented as talented can get. Yeah. I mean, he you you know yeah. you know why he was recruited the way he is. You know why uh, he's. He's as talented as he is. He's absolutely terrific uh, with getting, you know, a ton of moves from the free throw line down. Oh, yeah. uh, has an ability. The, the thing that I, I thought that kind of shocked uh, me a little bit, and I think it's a part of how uh, Coach, you know, Coach Turner's team plays. Uh, but, but to me, it really felt like C.J. Gunn could have been more aggressive. Uh, but even then, like you just – he, he had his moments where you're like, yeah, you just don't see players. You don't see every player make that play. You don't see um, every high school kid have the anticipation to make that play. And uh, the length that Gunn has, he was guarding Gus Etchison in the game that I saw him play. Uh, and I thought he did a really solid job. I mean, Gus, obviously, as we talked about last week, can, can score the lights out, uh, tremendous playmaker. But I thought with Gunn, you know, his ability to just, you know, play very solid defense, 
uh, his ability to make the right play and just have a feel for what, you know, his time was and wasn't uh, was just something that stuck out to me in a big way. What obviously we could go down Turner's team and, and probably talk about three or four more of those guys, but any feel from either sure, one yeah. of you on Love Deontay Davis, on Deontay Davis and how he is uh, attacking with the basketball and, and maybe even what type of range he's displaying with his, with his outside shot. Um, I, I'll say something. Yeah. Try to get this together. Yeah. Um, I, I really seen him knocking it down in the game that I had him. Uh, Good. He he didn't take many. I, I would say he probably took three or four jump shots. But I mean, looking at the team that he's on, they they got a lot of transition buckets. Yeah. And they, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's no reason to shoot jump shots when you in transition <laughs> as often as they were. Yep. But. He, he when when they did uh actually slow down, I seen him knock down a couple um threes, a couple of mid-range shots. I think I seen him miss maybe two or one. I know one for sure was a mid-range. I believe he missed the three, but he made more than he missed for sure. He's another guy that was very uh I really enjoy watching him play as well. And to add, to add on to that, JD, like I thought with with Davis, he, the games that I've seen him play, I mean, obviously you know the kid can jump out of the gym, you know that the oh, kid's yeah. got incredible athleticism and can can make plays that you just sit there and you're like, how did he get from that end to that end? But I thought with his jump shot, the the biggest thing for him is, it's it's pretty obvious when he's going to miss and make his form mm-hmm. and if his form dictates his confidence. Uh, and I think yeah. with, with him, like if he is able to make, to get more smooth on that form, which I think a part of that's confidence. I think a part of that's just, Definitely. okay, I'm trying to establish it. I'm trying to uh, get that going. Uh, but to me, like the, the key for him is that he, his whole body, when his whole body shows confidence, the whole form shows confidence. He's mm-hmm. a significantly better shooter, but there were moments when I saw him play where he was going up for a shot and I just kind of knew based off the form alone uh, that it just wasn't going in. He just wasn't confident in himself enough. And so I think for him, if he can get to a point where that's more in rhythm, I, that could be a scary sighting. Well, a lot of yeah. that's a lot of that's catch habits too. So that's, and that's something, yeah. again, he's also yep. transitioning his game. I mean, that's a lot of this. He's not only transitioning his game in terms of where he gets his touches, but he's also transitioning his game in terms of, the focal point of, of being an off, you know, w- within the offense. I mean, you know, he went with playing with his brother and playing with Nigel Pack at, at LC last year where, you know, those two guys pretty much yeah. anything outside the paint was ran for them. And, and anything, it, it seemed just, I, I mean, I only saw LC play three times last year, but it, it seemed like any time Deontay got touches outside of drop-offs and secondary reads was if, if he was the primary option, it usually was with him not posting up, but certainly uh, cutting through the paint into yeah. post-ups. They're never just coming down and like, hey, Deontay, you're just going to get in a low block and go to work. Yeah. But we're going to move you in against certain matchups. And and then, again, he, you know, he's always effective on the glass. And, and Yeah, great back, rebounder. Yeah. And I go back to the game where Nigel Pack was hurt last year and against Crispus Attucks, and, and he came out with 
super energy and, and, a, and a lot more aggressive with the ball. Uh, and he's been that way when I've seen him this summer, w- way more aggressive with the ball, trying to make plays. I just haven't seen him shoot well yet. And I've, and I've not seen him. It's like what JD said. I've not seen him shoot a lot um, from the outside. So he's just, he is intent on being aggressive with the ball. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's just, he, um, I'm just curious because I know he's putting up decent numbers. He's putting up good numbers so far in this league. And um, I, the times I've seen him play, he's just been super aggressive getting downhill. So, yeah. Yeah. I, um, touching on what Caleb said about knowing when he was going to miss, you, you kind of get that feel because he does look a bit uncomfortable at times. Yeah. But, um, knowing what you just uh, mentioned, Jim, he he is very like he's a very great cutter going going to the hole. Yep. I mean, he 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 cuts very sharp, and it seems as very if sharp. that's where his comfort zone is most times. But um, uh, I really did I really did enjoy seeing him shoot the shot because I didn't. He was one of those guys that I didn't know he had his game because he plays so big. Mm-hmm. Um, so when when I seen him spot up the uh, first couple times and knock it down, I really enjoyed enjoyed that because playing on the team that he's playing on, it's so much talent. It's so much talent over there. Um, but then it, when 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 he shoots, that you could tell he's uncomfortable. It's a little, it's a little bothering just because I seen them knock it down already. Right. Well, and if I'm, and if my assessments hits, then it's, it is about just catch habits and and where he. And sometimes it might be the pass, but but it is definitely his footwork on catches, and and that stuff like that's very easily right. correctable. I, I think anybody that's recruiting him at this point sees a really good pathway. Um, Oh for yeah, him to become yeah. a more oh, yeah. consistent shooter, and let's be honest, at Warren this year, I mean he's look Malik Stanley's going to be it's going to be him Malik Stanley Sean Black, and Chandler Johnson and Gabe McNary. I mean those five guys, that's as good of a starting lineup as there's going to be in the state. That's phenomenal. And I and I do think and as good because I'm because Sean Black's another name that I'm going to just throw out there. We've talked a lot about him last week, but but I, I still think Malik. We'll probably run that show, although I could see them bringing him off screens and letting Sean, you know, maybe be a primary ball handler. But but Deontay's going to get his calls, and he should because, oh, yeah. you know, talent-wise, he's he's got a lot. I mean, he's got yep. most of it. He's just got to continually work on his outside shot, and I think the rest of his his game is there. So um, moving on real quick, I, really you touched on one of the names I was going to hit on with Rashida Lemekin from Greenwood, Sean Black. Yeah. We talked a lot about him last week. He just consistently gets downhill, and I, I love watching him now with, with guys. Um, he's playing with the Addicts kids, and I love watching him play with those guys because he's he's finding them. He's becoming a little bit more of of a, a pass option versus a guy that in the past would basically predetermine. I mean, he would go out last year and put 40 in a game, and, and, and sometimes it's, you know, it's who you're teamed with. But I, I enjoy watching him be a ball, you know, a playmaker and not just a guy out there getting shots. And it, it's important because he's got the quickness to play the point. 
at, at a higher level. And, um, and, you know, I think he shoots the ball well enough too, that you've got to close out tight and that's just going to make his, his attack even better. And, and yeah. a couple of other names I'm trying to hit some guys you didn't hit on um, Ethan Awaski from Laporte, especially in the second game, shot the ball well. Um, and then other names, I think we hit on those. Donovan Barnett from Crispus Attics, played with, plays with Sean Black. He was extremely good in that like second him. game. Yep. He's good. And then the, the two kids from Fort Wayne area, um, Connor Asijan and Jagger Landers. Now, Jagger's from Ohio, so, you know, I want to make sure these out-of-state guys get a little bit of a blur, but he, he was extremely good the game I watched, which was the 7 p.m. game. Mm-hmm. And then Connor Asijan, who's got, you know, probably he's got a dozen offers, struggled yesterday, and I think we are joking around that I'm not allowed to watch him play anymore. Um because last week he dropped 38 and 47. And yeah. this week I made it a point to put him in front of me because I knew I would be working that court at seven o'clock and, and he, he struggled, but with him, you could see it's the flip. You could see the shot mechanics. You can see the setup. You could see how he, he gets into catches and, and know that, I mean, I'm not sure he's going to drop 47, you know, on a consistent basis, but that's probably closer to the norm than, than the way he shot the ball yesterday, but he also does a lot of other things. But but Landers, I thought was impressive. He shot the ball extremely well. The six 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 seven forward from Antwerp, Ohio. Um, I, you know, I don't know what their schedule's like in, during the school year, the competition they play. But but he came in and he's been with this this group that plays. They're, they are playing as an AAU team in it. He's been with them for a couple of years and and um, really liked what he brought to the game yesterday. He. They they had two close games yesterday, and um, you know, and Casey does a good job. Casey Adams does a good job of coaching them, so it was good to see him light up a little bit and, and have to coach some situations. So there's not there's not a whole lot of that going on in this in the fall league, but tight games, uh, you see it more and more. So yeah, get to analyze the coaches now. Well, and that's why. Well, and that's why I was frustrated. <laughs> we lost a double overtime game. So. Um, I, th- I thought we had a good situation and then we we gave up the last second three and and tried to drop a play to get it in and we got a shot we got a good look it just didn't go in so um well any anybody else did anybody we missed anybody just like any other name you want to just throw out there we don't need to get too deep into it i think we've touched on you know a lot of guys that, that certainly played well yesterday and, and some of them are familiar and some of them aren't any anybody else that stand out that stood out just real quick throw their name out um, Davion Turner. Yeah. Um, it was it was crazy because during the game I seen him miss maybe three spot up jump shots in a row, right? And he went on this flurry of maybe seven or eight straight points, and all of them was tough shots, falling from the corner, um, faded away from the other corner, um. Drip, uh, two pull up dribbles, not down threes. Um, uh, then he missed the uh last heat check, but I'm like, wow, does it have to be a difficult shot? I mean, it was crazy, it, it was it was so crazy because all the easy shots was, were come were come off, and any tough shot that came up, it was like he shot it without without question, not down. I, I was like. 
it, it was it was a it was a fun thing to watch. It it definitely was solid player. Um, I really liked the way he played, but that that stretch there was so nice. It was so fun to see, especially because he probably was frustrated due to missing the uh easy open wins. He's probably too close. <laughs> he's Davion's kind of a heat check guy. He's a little bit like Shrews in that regard. Uh, the the kid that's playing for me is just ex- just extremely quick release and and feels like he has un- he it feels like in his mind he has unlimited range. But um, he definitely can get going, get cooking. Caleb, anybody else? Any any name you want to throw out there real quick? Yeah, two guys, um, Evan Altman, uh, Greg yep. Jenkins, uh, both those guys uh, were on Avance's team. And even though Altman didn't have a shot, uh, you could just tell that he had great size uh, and he could be someone down the line that could really impact this season uh, in, in, in Indiana in general. And, and I thought Greg Jenkins uh, had so many, such a variety of ways to, to get going, whether it was through anticipation on cuts uh, post-ups, uh, jump shots. It, it really felt like he could do everything. Uh, you know, and I think with, with him, I'll be curious to see if that continues in the next, in the next week, because he didn't really get to that point till later in the, later in the game. So yeah. I, I'll be, I'll be curious to see where that happens. I want to, I'll, I want to expand on Altman a little bit, but first I want to, Chris Spillman was the guy that was keeping score on court too. He he was the one that gave us some of these other names too, or at least gave me some other names. And one name we hadn't touched on was Eli Meyer from Seymour. Said he shot the ball well and, yeah. was, and was really good yeah, defensively. Did. And I I didn't get a chance to watch most most of that game, um, but again, like I, I like that we're getting close games, that we're getting games that are contested, you know, late, getting games that are going down to the wire because that's some of the blowouts aren't fun. Um, but it, it happens sometimes, but, um, but yeah, that group from Southeast, basically from Greenwood and Southeast Indiana, um, they, they did a good job competing yesterday. I know they had a couple of kids that weren't there, but, uh, expanding on Altman and I think we'll get out, um, on this one, but he was more aggressive last week when Hughes wasn't there. And a lot of how they play is, is similar. I mean, I think DJ is. You know, I mean, is decidedly he's bigger. He's probably he's better athletic. He's more athletic. Um, you know, from a college perspective, he's he's a, you know, he's a bigger prospect. I mean, he's committed to Butler, and and Evan's starting to get some his recognition and starting to get some Division two offers. He's got some Division one schools looking at him. Um, he deferred a lot yesterday, when in in the past he hadn't yeah, been. He did. And he had, a, he had a great summer. He spent the whole summer definitely not deferring, being more of a go-to guy. And, and for Burbuff, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, DJ Byron, or Byre. Um, he Altman's going to be Burbuff's go-to guy. And in that setting, he's been very, very aggressive and been very good. Uh, that's the way he played all summer. But I noticed yesterday he was just not as active. And that's something he has to figure out, that he can't let the talent around him dictate his play and that and, and with, with Hughes there and with Brewer there, Jaden Brewer uh, from Ben Davis. Um, you look at um, two guys that are high usage players, two guys with the balls with them a lot. And, um, and Brewer will probably be a guy that we talk that we've probably already talked about on this podcast because we're recording this out of order. Um, but I think Jaden's transfer situation is something that, um, 
you know, is, is going to be a subject of discussion if it hasn't already been on this podcast earlier <laughs> that we're recording tonight. Um, but Evan's got to find ways to stay active in those situations and, and not defer. So um, you know, that'd be a note to him because when he has been aggressive, he's been extremely good this summer. So, and, and he was great last weekend. Cause I think we, we talked about him last weekend. So. Yeah. I, I think that's um something that we, we probably all can see with all, all these kids. Cause they all trying to go out there and prove a point, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they don't want to, it's either you don't want to step on nobody uh, toes or you are over aggressive. Well, there, there's, there's two things that are scarce resources in basketball games. One is the clock and the other one is the ball. There's only, there's only one ball and the, the clock has a limit. So mm-hmm. you know, there's only so many touches in a game. There's only so much usage you can have in a game. Exactly. Um, and, you know, it's just, you look at Evan, you like, you can't defer when, when you're around other talent, you've, you've got to be a guy that can be just as aggressive uh, when they're not there. And, and again, that was just the second game. I did not see a lot of the first game, um, but that second, that final game of the night, that's just sort of the, the thoughts I took away from it. So guys, again, a great week. I, I appreciate your work yesterday. Tell us a little bit, uh, JD, tell us a little bit where everybody else can, where everybody can find your other work. Um, of course, on the Running Hood Podcast Network, along with Caleb Lynn, uh, um, I'm on the Battleground, featured on a couple other shows. Great network, got so many uh, shows on there. Tremendous talent, and another one, um, Fastest Stats by JD Hall, um, Spotify, um, Podbean, Google Podcasts. Um, yeah. No, that's really uh that's really it cool caleb yeah uh you know check my workout at uh indie star um also looking you know also doing stuff with the running hook podcast network as jd mentioned with the uh linsanity podcast uh i have uh content uh coming from indie sports legends i have content uh looking at you know possibilities of doing some writing for the campus citizen which is iepy's newspaper so uh, tune in, tune into the work, uh, tune into JD's work as well. His podcasts are phenomenal. Yep. Guys, you guys do a great job on your, on your podcast. I enjoyed, I enjoyed listening to, to uh, many of them and um, again, appreciate your work and we'll, we'll see you guys on Sunday. I right, see you. Have a good one. See ya.